Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast studios. Today is 420 day and a lot of people are celebrating the cannabis revolution and uh, things changing in America. And as things are changing in America, like a lot of things in America, some of these changes are not being advantageous for our people, black people, especially the people here of the city of Detroit. So late last year, 2021, I had a great interview with my father, Greg Frazier, CPA, who kind of introduced some of his story, just pieces of his story. But along the pieces of his story, some of what he does is based in accounting systems. So a lot of you all may be wondering, what does accounting and marijuana have anything to do with one and another? Well, when it comes to legalized marijuana, a lot, a whole lot. You're going to learn a little bit about cost accounting versus cash accounting going to learn why cost accounting is so needed versus cash accounting, which most of you all are used to. And you're also going to learn a lot of the exclusionary tactics that are keeping so many black and brown people, but specifically black people out of this industry. That's a booming industry. This is very similar to what happened when the street numbers that we're very familiar with transitioned into a state controlled lottery system that has really left a big void and impact on banking and lending practices throughout the black community since. And some of those people that stepped in and offered some of those lending practices were people that sold a little weed. So we're going to talk more so weed business than more so weed consumption. I'm sure it's a lot of stuff on weed consumption that you can go to. Uh, you know, some of my favorite rappers like Snoop Dogg all day right now. My dad even said you're wearing your ice cube shirt. So yes, it's a West Coast day, West Coast feel, but we're talking Marijuana business for 420, specifically black people when it comes to Michigan and beyond and how we are being excluded from this industry that was actually sold to us on the backs, like so many things of black people as this is going to be needed to provide access to dollars, to industry, to so much and so much more. And like a lot of stuff, it has not. So. Dad, Greg Frazier, how are you today? I'm doing great, son. How are you? Everything is cool. Everything is cool. So we're going to get more into this discussion. Uh, let's, you have charts. You have a lot to offer. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, most of what we'll do will, will be discussion. You know, we're going to focus on, but I think the charts will kind of be an aid. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said a few things that I want to I wanna echo and just elaborate on. You know, uh, one of them is that uh, the state of Michigan... If when you really think about it, really like most of this country, has always sold our folks kind of a bag of goods. I know it was the experience I had in Ohio and Cincinnati. I think it's an experience that a lot of brothers and sisters have throughout the country. And what I mean by that is here in the state of Michigan is something that Detroiters are very familiar with. Is when big companies come into the city of Detroit, they come in with the promises of, hey, I'm going to establish this big plant or I'm going to establish this big operation and the promise of jobs and the promise of those kinds of opportunities. We're going to clean up that section of the environment. We're going to put a new park in there and something for the kids and all of this. And the only thing we want in return is to pay no taxes to the city of Detroit for X number of years. And folks have bought into that, that trick bag for as long as I've been here 
And that's the same trick bag that's typically sold in other cities like Cincinnati and throughout America. So the latest version of that trick bag, in my opinion, is the uh, razzle-dazzle associated with, uh, with marijuana, with the cannabis business. I'm not saying that there's not an opportunity there, but that opportunity is something that we, I think, collectively as a community are going to have to come together to really put pressure on. And I don't mean pressure by way of just like, uh, hey, talk to your politicians. This may involve like community activism and protesting and things like that if we want to take advantage of this, uh, this cannabis uh, uh, industry, if it's meant for us to have. You know, and there are pros and cons with that. So to some extent, the cannabis business really is an extension of or kind of a continuation of a game that's played when, uh, when the system, when the establishment, when these white folks see something here that is advantageous to black folks and black folks literally through our creativity uh, create, an, create something that is to the advantage of our community and it just so happens that it, there's a potential revenue stream associated with that advantage. And that goes back to, as you alluded to, the days of the numbers, you know, shortly after prohibition, actually during prohibition, but definitely uh, after prohibition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're talking like the 30s, the 40s. The, uh, the term was called uh, policy operations. Mm-hmm. And that term, uh, uh, the street term for that was policy. And then along with that came uh, numbers. And you basically had numbers runners. You had a whole, you actually had very elaborate uh, 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 organizations, very, very elaborate businesses that mm-hmm. were black-owned businesses throughout the country based on playing the numbers. And that was huge. That was actually there were businesses that were more successful. And if you were if you were a man or a woman, and there were a lot of women in the in the business uh, in the in the numbers game, yeah. they could literally they literally made more money than the than the executives and top corporations. Very much so. It very, yeah. you, you could clear easily. They cleared easily like three to five million dollars a year. That was that was normal. And, that, and I'm talking about, and that's just a quote from from a, a book, uh, a title that I'll share later on. That was in Cincinnati. So you can imagine what they cleared here in Detroit. You probably heard of the name Wingate. Mm-hmm. It's a popular uh, that name. That family is associated with a very successful numbers operation here in Detroit. Not to mention Cleveland and New York and places like that. And very much so. And also along with not just the families, uh, because what we speak on definitely connected to Detroit is different is cooperative economics. And we speak right. of community and collective thought process. Uh, the the numbers processes, um, as a lot of the as what we'll say, like even in some of the weed businesses are, are the banking institutions that have given. Uh, businesses, families, uh, and many people that obviously are excluded from what are known as the traditional American lending institutions opportunities. Uh, when you think of most uh, most media, when we think of black media, the black newspapers, is if a black newspaper was founded without numbers money, I don't I don't know of any stories hmm. of the black newspapers being funded without numbers money Mm -hmm. it just is like hand in hand when we think of the money for operations like um you know the the making of products and goods and services like uh hotels uh black wall street itself Mm -hmm. hospitals this is you know banks today 
and definitely in the 30s and 40s, were not lending money to black businesses. That's right. So the only place that a lot of the black people could go to function to be funded were these operations, as you say, the policy. And then it was so communal because it, it involved you know, number runners, uh, different different point people. Uh, as you say, the infrastructure of these organizations ran very, uh, ran deep and, and had, were intricately involved in communities. It was hard to just, you know, to bounce town on, on owing some people money when it came to that. So it even connected to that operation came a great lending operation mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, sustained... <laughs> That sustained and helped the growth of uh, of black communities, and if you when you when you think about it, and I'm going to kind of refer back to that timeline right after prohibition, mm -hmm. the country we're talking about the 30s. You know, we're talking about in that time frame. This country was hurting for money. When I say this country was was this was prior to World War II, and this country was looking for you know uh, revenue, uh, and literally what uh, what the government did was turned to something that even the gangsters back then, like the Capones of the world, didn't really want to nudge in on the numbers because, well, first of all, they had other other operations like, uh, you know, the, the bootlegging, all that, that was more uh, uh, more profitable. But but secondly, because they said, hey, this is something, this is an operation that's very intricate, and it looks like these, uh, they didn't say the word black folks, but you know what word they probably used, they kind of had that down pat, we'll leave them alone. The government was so hungry that the government said, you know, we can we can break into this industry. And they literally did that. So that's another that's that's one of the many examples that that directly contributed to whether we want it to or not. The growth of this country based on based on our creativity and our operations. Uh, that's 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 the example of the numbers game. Now, back then. Really didn't matter so much about. Uh, the appearance of uh, fairness or the appearance of equity, excuse me, <clears throat> or anything of that nature. Back then, it was just a matter of, you know, these colored folks have it, we're taking it away. This looks like a good hustle. We see how this hustle works. This is going to now, we're going to change this from the numbers game to what we call state lotteries. But it's exactly the same functionality. Mm -hmm. So now we fast forward to today. And today, we have a scenario where it's important to have what we'll call the appearance of equity, the appearance of fairness. And if you look at it down the line with a lot of how we interact, the nature of black folks and how they interact with this country, it comes down to the country gives the appearance of fairness. You know, we just had the uh, a black Supreme Court justice, uh, the sister was just appointed to the Supreme Court. And we say, hey, that's progress. And in a way, that is progress, but it's pretty marginal because, you know, we have the majority of the folks on the Supreme Court are fanatically uh, uh, in another extreme. Mm -hmm. So, Including the other black person. That's and the definitely Court. the other black. I think he kind of, you know, I think our brother Clarence, like, leads the way when it comes to being extreme on the other side, right? Yes. So, 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 so as a people, we got to start really understanding that this country here, it's all about being transactional. There is no, I don't care what this country, how it presents it, what kind of package they present, and we're going to get into the details of how that's presented here as it relates to cannabis in a moment. But the overriding lesson here should be that everything that this country does when it comes to black folks, at the end of the day, it's going to be transactional. 
It's give and take. It's transactional. And once we really learn that, and once we learn that the only way we really get anything out of this country is through struggle and through fighting and through, through give and take, not through like appealing to any any concept of uh, of fairness or equity, because that's frankly kind of like you know that's becoming pretty old right now. The latest hustle, in my opinion, is this is this introduction to cannabis. Let's put this in context. This introduction in cannabis, you know, everybody sees the wave that's going on, and that wave and that trend is people are going to smoke pot, people are going to smoke weed, and so. Uh, that's uh, that's something that the government has kept clamps on for the longest, but the reality is that's just what's happening. And at the same time, the U.S. Treasury, at the at the at the federal level, well, actually at all levels, the federal, the state, and the local, they're looking for money because these treasuries are hurt hurting at all levels. Hmm. So what do they do? Well, one source of income would be if they can tap into the uh, cannabis. Uh, cannabis consumers that's a that's a ready stream of income and if they do that then you got then of course the reflection is well a big part of that uh consuming population a big part of that that market is going to be will be african americans in all the metropolitan areas so then the next step is how do we package this and present it to black people where we say we're going to give you the opportunity to uh to gain uh we're going to make our make some amends by uh coming up with a, a package that makes this uh, socially equitable to the black community. And so when you look at the laws they talk about, and I'm not going to get into all those details, but in a nutshell, uh, it's like, well, even if you have a criminal record, first of all, if you're in a, located in, in certain communities like Metro, like Detroit, Metro Detroit, and this mm-hmm. again applies to all the other countries, that all the other cities, you're going to have an advantage uh, as far as you'll kind of like get an edge from other uh, potential cannabis operators that are outside of those metropolitan areas. You say, oh, well, that's great. And the other advantage, even if you have a criminal record, we're going to brush that aside. As a matter of fact, we'll take it one step further. Not only brush it aside, we're going to we're going to let that be something that will be to your advantage as well. We're going to count that as a as a plus. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all you have to do is just comply with our other requirements, and you're good, right? And and, and as you as you're speaking about this, this is the other thing to keep in mind with this nation. There are many things that were at one point in time frowned upon in behaviors. Of, of what people could do. Good point. But when more money was needed, things kind of opened up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was younger, uh, Vegas and Atlantic City were the two places where gambling was open mm-hmm. uh, to the point where when a casino was put in Windsor, you know, we had family members, my aunt, your sister, would drive up from Cincinnati to go across the bridge of Canada That's right. to gamble in Windsor. And many other people did this as well. Mm-hmm. Then came some of the casinos on the reservations. Then came gaming licensing almost everywhere. You know, Detroit, then Cleveland, now Cincinnati. Like, almost every city with a population, Toledo has a casino. Like, almost gaming is throughout the nation now, to the point where the cachet of even Vegas is not the cachet of what Vegas was at one point in time. Uh, You know, we we think of even liquor itself, what happened with Prohibition uh, in in that fight against Capone and many of the bootleggers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was black bootleggers as well, as we know. But uh, 
that was frowned upon. Uh, you you topple another group of people, uh, as we'll say, like, I guess, a, a more discarded uh, class of white folks in America, uh, Italian people, Italians, Irish people, right, yeah. and Jewish people uh, that looked at that as, as like, a, a stronghold of, of how they acquired wealth and, and assets in, in this nation. And then soon after Prohibition and all those wild trials, it's like, hey, guess what? Alcohol is now legal. You know, so some of, uh, I guess, the shake now, in my mind, like that's what I'm going to say, happens when, when money's needed to be made, mm -hmm. uh, laws are bent, rules are broken, things change. Laws are rewritten. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, very true. So um, one of the things I want, so the big thing that I want to convey, in addition to that, that whole notion that we need to think that our relationship should be more transactional. Forget this whole equitable social stuff. That's out. But the other thing is, particularly as it relates to cannabis, is what I hope to show is people can see the subtleties of, first of all, here's the carrot. You know, you, you've got an edge because you're a black person. You live in the metropolitan area. And even if you have a criminal record, hey, you know, like, come on in. That's the carrot. Here's the first stick or the first obstacle. And we're going to talk about their obstacles that still kind of stop you from really get, getting that operation up and going. And then here are the obstacles that are there. Once you get the operation up and going, you're still going to catch a lot of hell the way it's currently designed. Uh, just, just being just, just functioning, just just making this a successful business as it stands now. Mm. So. First, we're, and, and we're going to get into the numbers right now. So, all right, folks, here's the thing. You know what? I'm looking at you, son, and I don't know what's the camera. Do I look at this? Is looking at the camera? Either or, or, either okay, or. all right. So, you anyway, can look at me, too. I can look at you. All right, yeah. I'll keep looking at my son. So, mm -hmm. what we're going to get into now is some accounting. You know, we're still going to do most a, a lot of talking, but I want to just kind of give people an appreciation for the numbers behind this and how those numbers can first really present a razzle dazzle. But then when we get into some of the weeds with the numbers, I think a lot of us are going to see, I hope all of us see, how you got to be careful with this, uh, this potential uh, uh, Trojan horse. So now we're going to switch to, I'm going to use, actually I'm going to use, son, your, uh, your property here as an example, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I don't know if we've got, do we have it on the screen now? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Oh, great, great. So people can hear my voice, but they can't yeah. see me right now? Yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> If you look, when you look at this, this right here, son, this is a, this is an overview of your property. This, this is a, this is the, this is the location of, well, this is where uh, your, your facility is, your, mm -hmm. your business. This is your home. I took a hypothetical example here. And if you notice, this is a size, this is, this is one of the, you know, obviously all this property, I think all of this is yours all around in here. Mm -hmm. But this piece right here, I just took a hypothetical plot of land that I think covers a couple of your uh, of your uh, farm beds, that your garden beds that are uh, on the side. Uh, yep. And this plot of land, if you notice, is a little less than the size of your house. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I go to I'm going to go to. I'll come back to this. We were just talking about the uh, numbers. uh the, the days of the numbers. We've been talking about that for a while, but this is an interesting book. You know, it's called uh, the uh, 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 it's it's about the numbers game in Cincinnati. What I want to get to, though, is 
Let's go to the spreadsheet. Okay, so. You got to close out the presentation. Oh, that's right. That's right. Or minimize it. or Yeah, just close it out. And we'll close. We'll minimize that. There we go. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do, I, I don't know how well everyone can see these numbers, so I'm going to kind of call them in. out. I don't know if you can. Oh, can you zoom in? Is there a way to zoom? Yeah, down, in the, down in the right corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Of course. Oops, not that. Let me go here. Come up. And here's our zoom. Yep. All right. When we look at the uh, that square foot area that I mapped out next to your house, son, that square foot area is 1,104. That's 1,104 square feet. Can we see that number or should I zoom it, make it a you little? You can zoom in a little more. Okay. How's that? That's good. A little bit more or that's, is that that's good? That's good. Okay. That's good. So... That area that we just squared off is 1,104. That's 1,104 square feet. And uh, if you do any preliminary research, uh, I mean, this is everything I'm talking about. These are like rule of thumbs or standard, standard, uh, standard rules to, as a point of reference. The, if you're going to grow a marijuana plant, the room that you'll need basically when you're growing those plants they should be about five feet apart. You know, some say three to seven feet, so I'm just going to go with five feet apart. So when we do the math on that, that means that right next to your home, that square, that area that we just uh, outlined, that's enough room to grow 221 plants. You follow me so far? Mm -hmm. yep. And I hope, I hope your listening audience is following. Well, with that 221 plants... The average yield, in other words, the average, uh, the, the buds, the product that people use to uh, 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 get high from, the average yield per plant is 17 ounces. And that's 17 ounces for one grow. When you grow the marijuana plant, you can have four grows. In other words, there, there, there's a... Uh, there's a period from about May through uh, August where you'll be able to you'll be able to to uh, uh, harvest from that from that plant 17 ounces and then you can go back and harvest it again and, and two weeks later and you pull something else from that plant another 17 ounces you can do that four times that's 17 ounces per plant if you have 221 plants you do that four times the total yield per season is 15,028 ounces. And that's 15,028 ounces. That's all the, that's what's happening right next to your home. Mm -hmm. Hypothetically, if we were to do this. Given that you have a good product, the, the range on a on a, a, a marijuana, the price per uh, marijuana, it really ranges from, you know, some low grade marijuana would run for about two would cost about $225. Mid-range would be $250. I'm going with the high end right here of $289 an ounce. Mm -hmm. That's how much it costs. That's how much, that's the retail value of the marijuana. When we do the math on that, in that little patch of land right next to your home, 
the gross on that is $4,343,000 and change per year. Mm-hmm. So if you, when you first look at that number, and I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good number for just uh, a little patch of land next to your property. Mm-hmm. We're not even getting into what that number would be if you could get to the types of, uh, anyway, the space, if you would expand that to the space that you have around, uh, out, uh, you know, beyond that little patch, which you would have room to do, you would see that you can just imagine what that number would look like. Now, when we, when we look at that number, if we scroll down, and let me know if, uh, if I need to bring this up any any yeah, higher. That's, that's uh, okay. Cool. All right. So I don't, we don't need to zoom in anymore. When we look at this, these are some expenses. And again, these are all projections. So none of this is actual. This is all like based on projections and hypotheticals based on uh, uh, just based on the, the rule of thumb and what, what I've gathered in terms of uh, the re- what the expense numbers would look like or expenses would look like uh, for a, a given growth for a given. And this is a small operation that we're talking about here. This is not a this is this is a very small operation, as you as we'll get into in a moment where you can appreciate it. But now, so given this uh, here, are the kinds of expenses that. That would be incurred. If you uh, uh, with your operation. And so things like shrinkage, okay, that shrinkage could not only be, you know, people might think, well, shrinkage, that means that people are still in the weed. Well, no, shrinkage could just be just different damage uh, that's done. You know, if uh, uh, some, some of the plants just don't grow right, those kinds of things. And we're looking at shrinkage of $130,000. We're looking at the packaging cost because, you know, that, uh, that product has to be packaged. Uh, with the state of Michigan, like other states, you know, there's some testing that's involved, some quality control testing. So when you look at these, these are all the costs. Some of these costs should be familiar. You know, the cost of gas and electricity. Notice in order to get that gross of $4 million. Now, I'm, I'm probably kind of conservative on these numbers. Some of these numbers would probably be a little lower. But we're talking about we're talking about 10% of that would go toward gas and electricity. A large part of that goes toward, obviously, water. Uh this would probably be a savings because we're growing outside, so it would be a little less than that. One of your big, well, your biggest cost here is uh, is labor because at the end of the day, keep in mind the marijuana business is really the farming business. So we're talking about a pretty labor-intensive operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these are fringe benefits, which I just got it about you know basically the uh, half of what your uh, what your direct labor cost would be, and then. Uh, and I put rent here. Hypothetically, you wouldn't you wouldn't have any rent, but I'm putting that in there because realistically, you know, a lot of people would incur rent. Then repairs. You know, I just put a number in there for repairs. And then here's some other what we call these are. In, and notice all of these. I'm treating these as kind of like direct cost. These are costs that are associated with the actual growth of the plant. And then you have uh, indirect labor. This would be like uh, necessities like uh, cleanup and, uh, you know, the, the you know, whoever would be in charge, you'd have some people that would have to clean things up, you know, keep things up and, t- and tidy and all that. So uh, the fringe benefits associated with indirect labor, your indirect labor might be some of the office workers and things like that as well. Property insurance. I'm, I know the uh, property insurance, let's face it, it would balloon. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have here. I've got property insurance at about 6% of the gross. 
of uh, your four million, your your gross of four million dollars. Property taxes, I anticipate those would go up. They may not go up much, but they, you know, but in this case, because again, everybody wants to get in on get in on the action with these uh, cannabis operators, and believe me, more than likely that property property taxes will go up. Some of these other costs are more uh, common costs. Anyone that has uh, uh, proprietorship and is that knows anything about income statements, you would see we've got depreciation that would be on the uh, equipment and you know the equipment to process uh, cannabis products. That's pretty expensive. You know we're talking about a range anywhere from like a hundred to three hundred grand for the equipment. You know, typically I've got an example of one that's one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars a trimmer. Uh, we'll show in a minute. So uh, janitorial expenses, we've got marketing, management fees. You know, these are just common you know, legal fees, uh, the bank fee. Yeah, oh, bank service fees. Someone might look at that and say, there's no way in hell you're going to have bank service fees of uh, 43 or $44,000. But in order for the banks, first of all, the, the banks, because uh, – because the marijuana is still at the federal level con- considered a Schedule I uh, uh, illegal substance, the banks have been reluctant to work with cannabis businesses because of that. So mm-hmm. now, uh, because of all the money to be made, banks are also finding workarounds. The catch with what the workaround, what the banks uh, find, though, the, the, the catch is the banks will find workarounds, but the cannabis operators have to pay. And the bank's uh, position is that in order for us to feel comfortable with extending the banking services, and you got to really have these banking services, like, you know, being able to cash checks, being able to have uh, or being able to have your vendors go to the bank and feel confident in cashing a check or debit and credit cards, those kinds of things. They want to have pretty strong monitoring apparatus in place, a way to actually monitor the activity that you, that, that, that's done online, right? A lot of operations aren't ready for that. And then keep in mind the profile of a cannabis grower. And I'm going to set aside that whole notion of all of them are like, you know, they're, they're, uh, this is a, a cannabis growers are from the street and they're criminals and all that. At the end of the day, everybody, even if you're from the street or if you're an executive, at the end of the day, you need to be a farmer. And so these farmers also have to have the wear, have the wear, wear the kinds of hat where they, the farmers have to wear the kinds of hats where they're also business folks as well, mm-hmm. right? So uh, legal fees, yeah, you're going to have, uh, you're going to need, you will incur some legal uh, costs. We can talk about that if we need to. Accounting is a big deal, big deal with accounting. Uh, and we're not talking about, not only are we talking about the, internal bookkeepers and things like that. We're talking about the cost of external accountants because a big part of that is not only accounting for it to minimize taxes, which is what we're going to kind of get into a little bit, but it's also accounting for the tracking requirements on the part of the state of Michigan. The state of Michigan requires all cannabis operations, be it growers, processors are these dispensaries, which is the retail places where you actually go and buy the product. They have to be connected to something called the metric system. And that metric system tracks every transaction associated with uh, cannabis uh, uh, operations. Every sale, every uh, conversion in the uh, processing cycle to get that plant from a bud to a to a, uh, a grown plant that's ready to be harvested, to what you harvest off that plant, 
at those three steps, all of that information is tracked. And the tracking involves a unique, um, a unique uh, barcode associated with, uh, well, in the case of the bud, there's a barcode associated with that. It's a tag. It's an RFID tag. And that's a radio frequency identification tag associated with the bud, associated with the plant itself when that plant grows, and also associated with the, uh, with the products as you harvest the product. Then as you bag that product, there's also a RFID code tag associated, a barcoded tag associated with that. And then as you sell that product or if you break that, you know, you may, like in your case, in our hypothetical, you might have the, the, the bag of uh, cannabis that you've produced. You may sell that to another uh, processor that actually takes what's in that bag and they may, they may create edibles from that. So this is similar to a car. Uh, it's, a car product, it, like when you, your VIN number kind of can go back to the dealership, the factory, the, the, and then that factory can even go further with the part, the, you, you know, hence, uh, you know, if it's like, hey, you have this recall on a, a axle in your car or something, right. come on into the dealership. And it's like, how did they even know that? And, you know, I have two of these same cars, but the other car didn't come from that plant, that dealership, that part specifically. But it's just like the automotive industry for a lot of people, you know, from Detroit that are thinking right. in that way. You know what? That's an excellent analogy, son. That is so true. It is very much like it is very much like uh, uh, cars and the the components within a car, mm -hmm. the uh, components that make up the subassemblies and the subassemblies make up the final car. And, and the onus and that, is on me as the owner of this marijuana farm right. to have a process in place that can track things back as if I am General Motors. Exactly. And actually, you're actually leading me right into one of the major challenges. We're getting into operations. I'm going to fall back on the restrictions that you still bump into. But what, you're, what we're talking about right now is one of the challenges that businesses have. Uh, once they're, say, up and running, once they get past some of those, those front-end restrictions, you say, ah, I made it. I finally got my operation up and running. Up and running, you're, you, you, in addition to wearing that farmer's hat, you got you to gotta really be on top of your, uh, of your accounting. And, and, and most businesses aren't thinking like this, especially if I'm a farmer. That's right. So, if I'm, so let's say, you know, forget all of that. I'm going to just go on and, and make up my own barcode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to color outside the lines. Right. The, uh, what happens there? Well, what happens is, uh, if, if, uh, first of all, what happens if you, if, if the first one or two times, if you can survive the penalties and fines that you would be hit with, uh, you're going to pay through the nose. You're going to pay a ton of money. Hmm. But more than likely, if you continue to do that, when I say like maybe uh, there's a chart, there's something you can go out on the Internet and you can see for the various uh, uh, cannabis, oper uh, cannabis businesses, which ones get these demerits or these warnings, you know. Can you uh, show us? And you know what? I, I, uh, uh, I can't recall how I did that search. But if you were to, um, mm, uh, you know, I don't want to get us locked into that. that. Maybe, ne okay. maybe next time or maybe I can mm -hmm. send something that uh, be, as you – as you uh, edit this and put edit it together, this, I'll send something to you. Okay. Right, because that would be something nice to look at or interesting to look at. Mm. Because, because then you can, you can actually see that they don't get a lot of chances. I mean, you know, two, three, and then they disappear. Because, first of all, just the fines in and of themselves can eat you alive. 
because that they really do want to. They really have the 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 state of Michigan feels like, and I'm sure other states feel the same way because about 24 of the states in this country use this metric system. They feel like it's really important to track this activity because they but, keep a handle on this. The, is this is so exclusionary just on the strength of farming itself. You know, I have the garden boxes, so right. I'm getting my hands in dirt. Yep, it's water, it's muddy, it's dirty. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hiring somebody to do this type of stuff. Yep. It'd be like, hey, every collard green, we need to track from seed to basically somebody's table. That's a good and, way of looking at and it. And if yep. and 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 it's like, hey, this is very important. I want you to make sure you tag it and you keep the code and we and we know what's going on. And it's this box. You know, I got a box full of greens, and it's it's hard enough as they grow and they get big and the greens start stretching out and mm-hmm. getting down there and just watering them. Mm-hmm. And I, I could easily see a, a, a farm hand, as they say. Getting in there like, man, I don't feel like doing that today. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just about getting the water and the greens is good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then that 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 tag gets lost and, and three of them blow away. You know what I'm saying? A good. squirrel starts gets in my gets in my greens, starts playing around in them or, or slugs or something, move them over. And now I got four tags. I don't know which one is which. I'm going to just put this one with that one. Right. Well, let's talk. You know, you mentioned a couple of scenarios that 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 farmer would have to be careful. And it's very, you know, that is commonplace. And that means that you don't have to make sure that your folks are well trained to avoid those kinds of incidents or to have a process to recover because you have to account for every one of those RFID tags. I left out one important thing that people need to know. Those RFID tags are provided by the state of Michigan. Wow. Those tags come to you specifically for your operation. Every tag has an identifier on it. it. Actually, if you look at the number associated with the barcode, that number, like the front end of that number, represents your operation. And then all those other numbers represent, hey, here's how you're going to use that tag. And that could be either a tag or it could be a label, depending upon where you're at in the in the process. Because and obviously, say, if you I, harvest, it will be a label that you put I on the back. I really bag. may need that five feet because I may have to put like a stake in the ground. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and if you look at pictures of the marijuana growers, you see that's just what it is. Right. I may have to really put that stake in the ground and just, you know, maybe even more than five feet so that I know, hey, yeah, but this the, is tag whatever from the state. Right. But then you got to be careful because, you know, you want to you want to optimize the space because as you're going to see in a moment, because of the taxes that you incur, if you say, you know what, I'm just going to make it every eight feet or 10 feet. okay, well, that's going to impact your revenue stream and that could kind of impact your bottom line. Mm -hmm. So it gets. Yeah, this is this right here and what we're really getting into, and that's why I want, I particularly want our brothers and sisters to understand this. This is doable, but let's, wa- let's, un- let's go into this with our eyes wide open. Now, admittedly what I'm talking about, and we're going to get into the terminology a little more, I'm talking about what is designated because we're talking about, what was that, 221 plants. Yeah. That is called, that, that, would, that would fit into the criteria of a, of a micro business. And the micro business, the limit on a micro business is 300 plants. And we'll get into the different variations of that. And you're going to have an appreciation pretty soon for why why uh, this is really advantageous to the big dogs. Those people that are growing a thousand plants, 2000 plants, you know, because then there's such a uh, there's such a uh, advantage to scale Mm -hmm. that 
that the things that, that you have to be cognizant of with the micro uh, uh, business, which is what we're looking at, y- y- you're making enough revenue. You still pay a ton in taxes, but you're making enough revenue where it's like, yeah, I, may, I pay a lot of taxes, but I also make a lot of money. So the barriers of entry are set so high at a clip that really, unless you have about a thousand plants, you're saying it's you have to operate it under such strong, strenuous uh, rules and regulations. And that's very interesting that the state provides you those are those tags. That's yeah, they provide those tags. And actually, when you think about it, the micro business, that's why I'm going over this. That was also one of the little carrots that were put out here. That was a big carrot to say, hey. Hey, black folks, we know you can't afford the capitalization requirements for some of the some of the the, the big grow, the big operations. Mm-hmm. But we got this package called a micro business. And with the micro business, uh, you're going to see that the the uh, entry level is uh, is doable. And all you have to do is just comply with our rules. And what we're talking about are the rules right now. And the rules fall into this category of the tracking requirements associated with those RFID tags that the state assigns. Mm. And that's 24 states do the same thing. Right. Mm. And the other states, when they come on board, more than likely, they'll be we'll picking up the metric system. system because right. we have a we have a country that's built on laws established on precedent. Yep. Hence, that's right. To establish a new precedent in this state that is not in this game yet. Mm hmm. Because obviously the states that have not transitioned over yet are, it's other things holding them back. Possibly the tobacco industry, possibly the gambling, gaming industry. Who knows what? Mm-hmm. But obviously mm-hmm. it's not a lot of uh, vigor to, you know, enthusiastically embrace what will be happening in the marijuana industry. So if anything, they're not. They may go a step further. They may right. get metric double or something. Yeah, and I just thought of something. So as we talk, I don't know. Everybody's still just looking at these numbers. I know that gets boring. I don't know if we want to show faces yeah, right we now. Will, we, we can will, keep on. We okay. All right. Yeah. So as I roll, so I'm going to scroll down a little further since we're looking at the numbers. I'm going to get to the bottom line. Notice that that with these costs here, just like any other business, you know, you're going to have here's your gross. Here's a here's our hypothetical where where my son. Well, stick with my son grows four point three million dollars in that little lot right next to his house. Gross, meaning that this is the. Uh, Raw amount of money. And this is also going on. It's high grade marijuana. Yeah. And all of my plants turned out perfect. I'm like, you You're know, five like with feet apart. Green, yeah. yeah. Collard greens, you know, I mean, you know, the, my first year with collard greens, they went swimmingly well. The next year I had some holes and slit. Right. I was dealing with, you know, you're dealing with nature. It's real farming. You're dealing with nature. You're dealing with land. You're mm-hmm. dealing with all types of stuff. You know, it's, you know, it, God knows, you know what I'm saying? Who knows? And, and, uh, and that's why squirrels we, may like marijuana. Yep, you know? That's why we have the shrinkage here of $130,000. Well, that, 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 that might be low. That might be too low. Yeah. $2 billion, you know. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and, I mean, that's, you know, you can lose a crop. I assume, yeah, in any farm. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, you could. You could. Now, notice what I have here. And we're going to talk about this right here is no IRC 280E. Yeah. And this this right here, this is the nightmare for cannabis growers here. This is Internal Revenue Code, paragraph 280, subparagraph E. And that's the one that gets into the different types of things that you can write off versus what you can't write off. Because in addition to the headaches of tracking and everything else that we've been talking about, we're getting ready to get into the monster of the challenge with this business. And that is compliance with 280E. 
What's 280E? Yeah, 280E is, uh, well, the Internal Revenue Code, of course, that's the, uh, that's the, the U.S. Treasury's uh, law associated with income taxes. Mm-hmm. And 280E, 280E simply refers to paragraph uh, 280, uh, subparagraph E. And that gets into uh, the, the, uh, the code at the time, and it was written with the intention of discouraging uh, people to get into the uh, sale of an illegal substance, which is this is still classified as at the federal level, like marijuana is still classified as a as a, a schedule one uh, illegal substance. And mm-hmm. so they specifically put rules in there. The biggest one being, hey, you can. OK, fine. We give up. This is basically government saying, fine, we give up. You can sell marijuana. You just can't write anything off. So technically, you can sell marijuana on, the, on his face. They're saying you can sell your marijuana. You can gross your $4.3 million, but you pay taxes on $4.3 million. So, so basically what you're saying in write-offs, because so, people speak about that. You're a CPA, and, right. and I do people's tax returns and stuff like that. People speak about write-offs as if it's, you know, sometimes... People speak about write-offs as if they just just all around wrong. <laughs> you know, people talk about like I just write it off as if you know if you write off two thousand dollars, the government's going to send you two thousand dollars. No, Mm-mm. it is not a a refundable credit per se. But when you have a business, as most people know, you have expenses that go against your gross revenue. Right. So if if I do a concert, for instance, people are familiar with me doing entertainment. Uh, and my door, I sell $1,000 worth of tickets. And I had uh, comedian Josh Adams. I, I, I booked Josh Adams for $750. So on paper, yes, I did take in $1,000. But because I owe talent $750, I grossed the 1000 I netted 250 when I pay him. What my dad's saying is <coughs> with... The marijuana business, you don't get that luxury, meaning that it doesn't matter how much you paid your farmers, how much you paid for your 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 dirt, how much you paid for uh, le- uh, turning over your soil or whatever your operational costs are, packaging, shipping. The government's looking at if you have a cash based business, everything from top to bottom is going to be taxed as if it's gross revenue yeah in other words they don't recognize any of your expenses mm-hmm. right if you and i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to just say i'm going to qualify my statement with saying if you look at it on its surface because like anything else there is a little uh what you call loophole mm-hmm. and that loophole is a lifesaver it can be a lifesaver for the cannabis growers but boy it's hell to maintain to be in compliance with that and, loophole. And that loophole is what we, this first discussion that we had about this. Hence, this is where kind of putting on your hat and paying a little bit of attention instead of just looking at accounting like, oh, this is annoying. So if you want to get in this weed <laughs> business, you need to learn the difference between cash and cost accounting. Because what we were speaking about usually and what most people do uh, is cash-based accounting, mm-hmm. not 
cost or accrual based accounting, meaning that. Uh, now, you, you, you sure you don't want to switch back to the faces because they're still looking at that, the. We're still going. So, oh, okay. It, it does it, that's just another feed. Oh. So just keep going. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so, yeah, in a way, so your system is yeah, tracking yeah, both. You know what? I think you did yeah. mention that to me. So, I didn't even uh, know that. Okay. So, yes, it's cost based. So, with this cost based accounting, uh, it's, it's different. Uh, it's piece by piece. But right. to to execute cost-based accounting, which is actually something that you've been in your wheelhouse for forever, being an accounting mm. uh, accountant that designs uh, solutions. Manufacturing systems, basically, you know, solutions for, for yeah, manufacturers. Manufacturers right? are the people most interested in cost-based accounting because we want to know how much it costs to make uh, this specific mouse, mm-hmm. meaning like, Every piece, the 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 each piece of plastic, the rubber buttons, uh, the LED light on the bottom, all of the pieces that go into this, we need to know how much it costs to make one. Because as we know how much it costs to make to make one, then we can know how much to charge. Hence, food businesses should focus more on cost accounting. Usually, they don't, but you mm-hmm. should, should know if you right. if you're making a sandwich, you can't just say, "Oh, the sandwich across the street costs five dollars, so my sandwich costs five dollars." <laughs> and then you don't know how much the turkey costs, the bread costs, the cheese costs, the mm-hmm. lettuce costs. You know how much you're paying the person to make the sandwich, the packaging wrapper. You know you're just eyeballing. Oh, it should be five dollars because people are used to paying five dollars for a sandwich. You may have a sandwich that costs you five dollars to make, and then you're charging people five dollars. You're not making any money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But this is the type of process and accounting system that most people are unfamiliar with, unaware with, uh, unaware of, and even trying to get into the nuances of how much you know each product when it comes to cost. Like if a person buys, if a person buys. 30 pounds of weed versus a person buys one ounce of weed or a quarter ounce of weed or to just scale up and know what it is all the time and not end up in a tunnel vision like, okay, I don't want to go through the headache. So we're only going to sell one particular amount, Mm. which we're Americans. The customer gets it their way, the Burger King way. So you're going (laughs) to lose too many customers because it's like we only got one. You know what I'm saying? What's the what's the uh, Model T thing? Hey, we got every color you want as long as you want a black. Black, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pick any color you want as long as it's black. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. And now and hopefully, hopefully our family is beginning to get this picture. You're wearing this farmer's hat. Mm-hmm. And man, you got to wear this, what, operational manager, kind of accountants, or you got to have some. Actually, I'm going to say maybe you don't have to be the accountant, but you got to have controls and processes in place so that your accountants can properly account for this activity. That's why your example with like losing the RFID tags or mm-hmm. like, you know, like they get stepped on or whatever, or, you know, not which, accounting for all the legal. And man, that happens. I but they're commonplace. But within the metric system, you still have to account for all of those. You still have to say, hey, I lost these. Now, you can't just say, well, hey, I'll just say I lost half of them. Yeah, I lost, I, lost, I lost half of them. Right, that, right. That windstorm that just happened, hey, everybody yeah, blew everything that. away. Like, what happened? Right, you know, right. it was a flood in Detroit. Yeah, hey, you know? yeah. And you can say that, and they'll find the hell out of you, and you'll probably <laughs> go out of business, you know. But you can say that. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. And, and what's so unique about this, because it is so unprecedented, as mm-hmm. we have a law based on that, the even the 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 not just the accounting systems the attorneys even to represent you mm-hmm. don't have much 
to to go on when you're when you're looking to fight that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, and really your attorney fees, and you're right about that. I think that the attorneys, just like your accountants, are there to really advise you on uh, and help you with staying compliant, mm. because that is there is such a, a narrow uh, road that you have to travel to maintain compliance, then when you fall off that road, you're right. Folks, it's really limited as to what can be done. I, I'm sure the attorneys, I'm sure you could probably pay enough money to find an attorney to to, to come up with a, a rebuttal as to why you couldn't recover those RFA ID tags. I'm sure the state of Michigan would listen, but I would, be, I would, I would, I would wager to say that you'd end up paying a ton of attorney fees and you still pay that fine. And, and let me let me speak on behalf of where my father, he is a professional, but I'm going to speak on knowing my dad and many other professionals. Shout out to all the professionals I know. <laughs> <laughs> the professional that you will need to get you out of a bad situation is going to cost you a lot of money. Right. And that that professional also is smart and they're leveraging it too. So if they know that you've invested this much money into a marijuana business, the state has shut down your marijuana business. They're also going to guesstimate and say, hmm, how much meat on the bone is going to be in this fight? <laughs> That's right. To go. So you will probably get leveraged up the tilt even dealing with them because That's they're going to think that this is such a risk because who's going to keep throwing good money at something they're not making money out of? Because no attorney or accountant or any of these other professionals want to get caught holding a bag on some old, we're going to take the fight to them. And now it's like, okay, I've spent so much time developing an argument that has no precedent. So that mm -hmm. those are tough arguments. And probably no it, merit, but yeah, you're it, right. It, yeah, I mean, and Brown versus Board of Education, as much as it was about Thurgood Marshall winning that argument, it was about attorney Charles Houston winning all these little fights and all these smaller courts over time. To finally flip it to say, okay, it has no merit, or, you know, to exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, separate but equal doesn't make any sense. And now we're in a world where you don't even have the Charles Houston to rely on. Mm -hmm. We just have the, the, the law that you said. And it's like, hey, it's already. And then I guess the government still kind of can't. It ain't even hide behind a veil. It can stand on a like in reality. It's still illegal federally. That's right. So you should be happy that we let you operate sort of. We mm -hmm. gave you the rules. You fell outside the rules. We mm -hmm. don't care about the tornado or the windstorm. <laughs> you didn't pay the fee. We're shutting you down. We're mm -hmm. going to come yep. and, and barricade your business. Yeah, right. And you're shut down. Yeah, right. And then that, yeah, that's a hell of a cost to incur. You know, and so, so, if you, so if you look at our numbers here, and in this hypothetical here, notice I have no IRC. In other words, this is a situation where I'm not even applying the 280E. Mm -hmm. In other words, this is just a regular business. So in our regular mm -hmm. business, you've incurred 3.7 or 3.8 million dollars in expenses. Yep. So you can write that off. You've got taxable income. Again, we're not. I'm going to give you the example with how uh, with the 280E in a moment. Here, if this were just a regular business yeah. with gross, gross on the money and all the expenses, are, all legitimate expenses are deductible, you'd have taxable income of, of 547, dollars. yeah, yeah, $547,000. And that's taxed at the, you know, that's, that's the taxable income at the federal level and at the state level. Mm -hmm. And I took it one step further, just in our hypothetical, I, I, I took the liberty of saying, well, you know, uh, 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 a single, you're filing, you've got your... Uh, your uh, federal and FICA, 
in this hypothetical would be $181,000. That's the federal taxes you pay in the FICA tax. And the state tax would be $23,049. And then the city tax would be $13,000. So off of your $547,000, you're paying $218,000 in taxes. Mm -hmm. And so that means really... The money, we'll call it the pocket money that you end up the with. The net profit. The net profit after taxes is $330,000, mm -hmm. which in a regular business, that ain't too bad, mm -hmm. right? But we're talking about the marijuana business. Yeah. The marijuana business is subject to 280E. And that means 280E, this is. Can you zoom in? Can you zoom oh, in? Yeah, 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 let me zoom in. 280E means that you. Um, Zoom in some more. How's that? That's good. Okay. Same set of numbers, folks. Same scenario. Same expenses. The bottom line, though, is if you just treat these expenses and you don't take advantage of what I'm what what people refer to as the loophole, and we're going to talk about that loophole next. All of these expenses you can't are not deductible. Yeah. Which means, look at this bottom line here. This bottom line means that you're going to pay, if you just really jump into business, you don't do your homework, you're not talking to your attorneys and accountants, you say, look, you know, I kind of know the business. I'm more, I'm a farmer when it comes to what I do. I know how to farm. I know how to grow. I got my license. I'm going to grow this weed, right? I'm going to sell it. And I cleaned up and I made $4.4 million, but you didn't follow any of, you weren't in compliance with the rules that we're talking about. You pay taxes on $4.3 million. Mm. The taxes on that $4.3 million, million dollars is $1.7 million, roughly. $1,675,000. And now, it just so happens, good news a little, while the state still collects the sales tax and excise tax, they got that damn metric system that's all on your back, they'll let you count all these expenses. So you end up, so you end up paying the same sales tax and city tax that, that the other operations pay, that a non-cannabis uh, operation would pay. But the feds, because of 280E, Internal Revenue Code 280E, all of those expenses that you were able to deduct, deduct for the state and city, they're, they're not deductible if you're not in compliance at the federal level. So here you are paying $1.7 million, you know, $1,675,489. And here's the problem that you run into. Because most people think, yeah, that's a lot of paying taxes. I guess I can work out a plan. And I, I guess you could if you're crazy enough to do that. But the bigger problem is this. You still, these numbers here aren't numbers in the scale. These are real cost, right? Yeah. So you incur those costs. You've incurred this huge liability. You don't have the money to pay that. Yeah. You, in effect, you have a, a, a negative cash flow. And what do we mean by that? You say, well, I couldn't have had a negative cash flow because I still paid all my people. Yeah, you paid all your people. You don't have any money to pay the taxes. You don't have money to pay yourself. And you certainly don't have money to pay yourself. Now, mm -hmm. arguments could be, well, you know, I'm in some, I'll pay myself checks through the indirect costs. You know, I could be one of those people getting a check, you know. But anyway, you know, you're still going out the world backwards because, because <laughs> noncompliance results in you paying through the nose. Mm -hmm. And that's what that number is. Mm. Right. Yeah. So now we're going to take it one step. I'm going to blow this up again. 
Now, this is an example of an operation, same numbers in our hypothetical. But in this particular circumstance, they're, they're somewhat compliant. You know, they talk to an accountant, and I'm, and I'm saying and they, they're conservatively uh, 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 compliant. What do I mean by that? Now we get into what 280E is and the loophole. The loophole for 280E, let's talk about that briefly. That loophole says you can't deduct any expenses, and I'm really paraphrasing. I mean, it's legalese. You know, it's the Internal Revenue Code. You know, we'll fall asleep if I were to recite it. Yeah. But in, in, in a nutshell— what 280E says, you can't write off any expenses when you're selling a, an illegal substance. All of the uh, 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 operational costs are non-deductible, mm -hmm. except you can write off uh, the cost of the goods that you sell. In other words, the cost of goods sold you can write off. And okay, so this is another one of those classic accounting terms. Yep. This is taking you back to accounting one it, for everybody with a bachelor's. <laughs> right there. Your trial balance. You remember that? Dust, dust it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What we're talking about is really what they're saying. And that in that in that balance sheet, we're talking about any any inventoryable items you can sell. Well, what's your inventoryable item? Your inventoryable item is the weed. Mm -hmm. Is the cannabis, is that product, right? So you say, well, you know, I'm growing that product, so I don't really have, it's not like I bought the product from someplace else. I'm growing, I took a seed and put it in the ground. I'm a farmer, I grew the product. So, I, you know, yeah, what, I paid 75 cents for the seeds, so I can write off the 75 cents against the 4.3 million. Yeah, you can write off the 75 cents, but just like, just like those manufacturing plants mm -hmm. that make cars, that make all the subassemblies for those cars. The cost that goes into, we'll say, an assembly are the components. And if you think about what a component is, a component is not only other other parts that the that the man it, it's not only those little sub it's not only those components, it's also the paint. It's also the fact that somebody had to finish it and polish it, mm -hmm. you know, that particular part. You know, they had to they had to uh, varnish it or uh, sand it down, right? Well, the labor associated with finishing, varnishing, painting, right, all of that, that labor is called direct cost. That direct cost contributes to the cost of the part. So in our hypothetical, let's say you have one part that's just, uh, it's just I even use a real simple example. Let's say we're talking about um, a, uh, I, I started to say a rock, but I'll just say the classic term is a widget, but I know most people don't yeah, know what a widget yeah, is. They, that's another accounting term. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Well, let's take, let's take, I want to take something that's one, oh, take, look, we'll take a, this pla uh, our, our water bottle. Mm -hmm. So this water bottle is really a finished good. Yeah. It's really a finished, and, and, then our, and then a manufacturer, which means a lot of us should be able to appreciate this, would look at this and say, this is a finished manufactured product. This is a, this is a finished uh, good. This finished good is made up of, from what I can tell, it's made up of, I'll say, two components right now. One of them is the plastic casing, mm -hmm. and the other one is the top. Mm -hmm. And that plastic casing and that top makes up what we would call a bottle. So the finished good is called a bottle. But that plastic casing, let's say you have one plastic casing, uh, and let's say in our hypothetical, 
you really to finish this off, somebody has to polish this, polish it off because the plastic comes off of the machine. It's kind of rough. It's kind of maybe dusty or dirty. So, so, and let's say in our hypothetical, the, the, the manufacturing plant can't afford to have a polishing machine. So they have a person that just, all they do is just take a rag and they polish it off. Well, mm -hmm. you have one bottle where uh, that costs, say, 75 cents, and it's not polished. The other bottle is polished. So you say to yourself, well, okay, this bottle is not polished. This one is polished. But how do you, how do you determine you know, which one is the most expensive? Well, intuitively, you know the one that's polished is going to be the most expensive because somebody took the time to polish it because it looks more attractive and they polished it. The labor associated with polishing that, that bottle is something that you could say, this person polishes a uh, thousand bottles a day. Well, that labor cost for that person, not only their, what you pay them hourly, but also all the fringe benefits associated with what you pay. All of that we're going to call direct costs. And it just so happens that while this rough bottle, this unpolished bottle is 75 cents, the polished bottle is 95 cents. That's a cost that we've added to that product. And when, this pro and when that product is sold, it's sold for 95 cents. Mm -hmm. And if you think about what's buried in that 95 cents, it's not only the, 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 the plastic and the top, it's not only the, the, the uh, bottle, mm -hmm. the uh, covering in the top, and not only, it, it's, also, it's also the direct labor associated with polishing the bottle. And mm -hmm. that same applies with the marijuana. And it's more than that too. It's yeah. it's also the the other. I mean, you, you're saying outdoor, but it's how much water I use mm -hmm. um, to to water. Uh, it's um, it's it's the utilities, uh, the the dirt. It's the it's you know. But now I have to basically bring that down. Hence, closer to what you what you spent your a lot of your career uh, building and developing manufacturing. Right. So now, as you say, the hats that you're wearing as a farmer, you're wearing a hat as a farmer, you're wearing a hat as an accountant, and you're also thinking, looking at this as a manufacturer. That's right. And not as, I guess, what I would say, uh, a farmer or just a traditional business person. You have to look at these as parts, not products. Right. That's right. Or you can look at it as a, as a product. You know, one could right. argue that, well, what we're really talking about is... Uh, some people would say that, well, it's the in ingredients or you could still I would still see it yeah, say well, it as a product. A product right. But I guess parts. Well, parts not. Uh, not consumer goods as much, I guess I would say, but it still is a consumer good. I, I don't know the term, but you have to look at this in a manufacturing way. So if we look at it in a manufacturing way in our in our hypothetical, in our cannabis operation here. Mm -hmm. Now, what we're saying is. Every, in addition to tracking that, uh, that flow, that work in process that we call the cannabis mm -hmm. product from seed to actually sale, which means, you know, seed to growth to harvest to, you know, to, to uh, packaging to selling. We also, in addition to tracking it with those uh, in, through the metric system, we also now have to, we need to track the, the cost associated with getting it from this end of the cycle to the other end of the cycle. You follow me from the from seed to say before it's shipped out the door. Just like a car, right? And so so we have to have processes in place 
And what I'm really talking about, and now we can say the rule of thumb might be uh, uh, every every uh, product that's sold or every product that's created, the finished good, it should also reflect some fraction associated with, with ongoing shrinkage. That's what I have here in this example, that first line item. Of course, packaging, you know, because your your finished package is going to have the plastic and the and the marketing logos and all of that. Stickers and all that. That's that's part of. It. We also need to, if we can, we allocate the uh, testing and quality control. Now, so we're saying, how do you do that? Well, we're saying we look at historical costs. We say, look, we wouldn't even incur these costs if we didn't have to make the cannabis product. Some of the costs, arguably, you know, we would incur if we just had our doors open and we didn't do anything. Right. But some of these costs, they're only here because we are actually in operations. So we could say inbound uh, freight charges uh, for products coming in the door, you know, things that you need to, to you know, the the uh, fertilizer and the pesticides and all this stuff to ship to you. Well, we, we're saying we can look at historical information to say, oh, we always incur about about twenty one thousand seven hundred fifteen dollars when it comes to uh, fertilizer and pest control. So since we've always incurred about that every year, we're going to we're going to take a we're going to based on our uh, our projected production volume for 2022, we're going to determine what a, a, a fraction uh, a certain fraction of that uh, historical uh, fertilizer and pest control cost we're going to assign to every product that we package and put out the door. So all of those costs are associated with that product. And then since you're associating the product with all those costs, that means every time you sell that product, you're selling, you're selling a portion of these costs that we're looking at now. And so now we're taking advantage of that back door, of that loophole. We're saying we can't write these costs off directly because 280E stops us from doing it. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is we can come up with a, uh, and it's really a formula. We come up mm -hmm. with a formula or formulas that we can, and, and all of this, when you get into it, people will say, well, you know, that seems sort of like, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, abstract. You know, you know what? How do you? What are you saying? The the pest uh, the pest control and the uh, fertilizer cost. You're just gonna say, oh, 15 cents of that is always assigned to every package going out the door. Yeah, that 15 cents when we multiply it out for the full year, it comes out to twenty one thousand seven hundred fifteen dollars or thereabouts. But right? but just like your accounting systems from in manufacturing, it's it has to be by piece and and right. how much of right. that part and piece that's right is because you can't just like I like I was giving the example, you can't just say, okay, I'm gonna package just we're only selling ounces of weed mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, it it though that technically is that you need the type of system and accounting in place that can, you know, where you can scale up or scale down. Right, and really, what you're what you're alluding to, son, and this it's we really need to identify what's known as a least common denominator. Because at least common denominator is how you assign the costs. Mm -hmm. So when a person says, you know what, I'm only going to sell pounds. I'm not going to sell ounces. I'm not going to sell tons or whatever, you know. Your least common denominator or grams, your least common denominator may be ounces. Yeah. So now if you allocate the cost per ounce when you're selling a pound, the That's, pound reflects yeah, all of the cost. Ounces, yeah. Right, right. Mm -hmm. so, so when you look at all the pounds that you've sold at the end of the year, 
you now should tie back to numbers that that are pretty close to this. But also, it, I mean, that, that's what just like with parts, though, sometimes just because you go up, you know, an ounce may be this much. But, you know, when you do 100 mm-hmm. ounces, mm-hmm. you can't just keep multiplying like some of these costs change. Hence the accounting system. Right. And actually, there's some uh, now. Full disclosure, I haven't been in an audit with the IRS that involves a cannabis company. But this is where another term that uh, is funny. You introduced me to this before it became so popular. Uh, Here we go. Social media people, not accounting people, Mm. a logarithms, (laughs) people that that are into calculus. Mm. Here we go. That that calculus is coming into play. And also (laughs) your statistics class for the people with those bachelor degrees, a logarithms play play in... uh, take place in this because I remember early on I would write my budgets and I'd show my dad and he'd say okay at certain points you're going to need to work some co- uh, some cosines and some and certain things because you can't just say that just multiply and, and divide just all the way across you have to look at this and know that it, it's going to hit certain barriers where yeah, algorithms is the words you're thinking yeah. about yeah algorithms right mm-hmm. right and uh, and and here's the thing People might say, well, what's the rule that you come up with? To me, it's the more whatever the formula is, whatever the algorithm is, the closer it relates to your reality on your farm, if you will, in our cannabis mm-hmm. situation here. Or, and that applies to a manufacturing plant. Whatever that, whatever that algorithm is, and the IRS refers to some, some uh, they, they have some rules they can go by, but to me, you could make a case that, hey, their rule may not apply, or their algorithm, or their formula may not apply because it doesn't fit as well as yours. Whichever one fits your reality, you know, how, that, how, how these, how these uh, direct costs can be applied, that's the reality you stick with, right? So, so uh, and, that's, and, that's more, and that's, that's easily defensible, in a in a in a full in a full blown or in an audit, you know, it's easily defensible. Even if you're talking to a banker or another uh, a third party stakeholder, that's saying, "Well, how'd you come up with this cost?" Well, you can tie it all back to uh, all the ton of detail in the world. So right? that's where you, being the farmer, comes into play, and you knowing what you know, right? To sit down and talk to the accountant, yeah, like right. you and the people that with the manufacturing software because you're going to have to unload with them and say all right wait time out if we're going to if if we're growing whatever if we're growing 200 plants this is what I'm using if I'm growing 100 plants this is what I'm using if I'm growing five plants this is what I'm using like almost like this is shifting based on your knowledge as the farmer and what your operation will be mm-hmm. and that's how what, what will inform this process right that's right and then ideally we set up a process and controls where the system actually captures that information programmatically that's the ideal scenario you shouldn't have to you know i gotta apply this formula now every for every product i sell no if we set things up where you're processing this inf- you're uh, just doing your regular thing a system ideally should involve like barcode readers and things like that to actually scan those RFID codes and, and a way to weigh the, uh, you actually, it does involve like weighing the product. They call it a wet weight versus a dry weight because, you know, you weigh the weed one time or the cannabis at one point and that's, you, and that's right after it's been uh, harvested. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be heavier than it is when you let it dry because, you know, the, it dries out, right? But you have these processes in place 
where this and then as you record as you ideally you want a system where all you're really doing as the farmer or your people are doing is they're doing their job. Of course, they gotta they gotta use the barcode scanners to try, in my opinion, to scan what's happening. But they also have to uh, have a way to put that information in timely. And ideally, with the barcode scanners, you should do that so it'll post up into the accounting system. And that uh, and that is something you've explained to me before too. Just you being my father, so mm. I, I would right. know this. It's an expert system because as you input more Good information point. and data, the system itself will will learn more of what's going on in your operation. Right. And I'm going to say expert system is the, is the correct word for what we're talking about because it's basically reflecting the rules and, of, and, your and, particular and farm. of that particular farm and compliant. And also we're doing it in a way to comply with the, uh, with the regulations, the federal and state regulations, our requirements. Now, what you're describing when you say it, it's going to learn now we're getting into artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. For, fortunately, the farmers won't have to worry about artificial intelligence. There's the difference between an expert system, the rules are, think of, them, think of the rules as hard-coded. Once we put them in, mm-hmm. they don't change at all. It's like, hey, you put in, you, you put this number in, you're going to get this number out. Expert system, or I'm sorry, artificial intelligence or machine learning, mm-hmm. those are the ones that say, you put these inputs in. And I give you this output and you tell me, hey, you know what? This was off by about 30 cents. So I'm going to correct you. Right. It takes in that correction. And now when you put those numbers in, it's going to be closer to what you're looking for. And mm-hmm. until other things and when other things change, ideally, it'll adjust based on that correction that you made. And, and, and this that's, is that's it's actually learning what they so, call learning, but it's actually, you know, it's not quite learning, but it's it simulates learning. Hence right? you having that relationship with the bank, because like like for us, they use QuickBooks and it's mm-hmm. not that difficult. No, it's not because it's, it's it, the QuickBooks is not as difficult as you all think. But in using QuickBooks, QuickBooks assigns, you know, uh, just the flow in that, as you said, artificial does. intelligence. of right. Like, oh, OK. Uh, Verizon was once your phone carrier. We assume that you sent some money to Verizon based on the the banking that you have. That was you paying your cell phone bill, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. And in 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 the flows of like, okay, so this you had an intake of of money from this account before that was from vendor Greg Frazier. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, or, or, or client Greg Frazier. So mm-hmm. Greg Frazier sent this money. We're going to assume that this is connected to these services, so forth and so right. on. Hence. But that's an that's excellent example. Mm-hmm. That's an example of artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. of, of learning. And quick and QuickBooks Online, people don't even know. But if you've ever used QuickBooks, and I haven't used the desktop in a while, yeah. but if you ever use QuickBooks Online and it does just what you just described, that is artificial intelligence. People don't even know they're using it, and that's exactly what that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go on, and I'm going to go to. I'm going to skip this one. I want to go to the one where it's full absorption, where the, this this is the one that's done everything right. I was just going to show you how. I didn't uh, see the bottom line. With oh yeah, let's one. go back and look at the bottom line on that one. So so here's one where it's some absorption, and if you say, hey, I followed the rules, and maybe your first year you tried to tweak this as best you could, you know, you still the farmer's still figuring things out, so is the accountant, and so is the whole operators, the people, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so here it is where they said, hey, we were able to absorb, fully absorb uh, some of these costs. In other words, 
And, and let's talk about what's really happening here. You know, the IRS could challenge any of these line items, you know. But ideally, you say, no, I can make a case for this being fully absorbed. You know, you can't challenge my packaging because, heck, you know, I wouldn't have to package anything if I didn't grow anything or if I wasn't in this operation. So we're fully absorbing this. But notice these line items, indirect labor and the fringe benefits associated with, you know, your indirect rent labor. I mean, these are people that might be in the in the uh, they do some things. Maybe they they help carry some of the packages out, you know, to the mm. trucks or whatever. You know, it's indirect. You're right. And yeah, the, they're cleaning the they're cleaning, cleaning the place the, uh, up. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Uh, so that's the indirect labor. And then this is the uh, the fringe benefits associated with the, in, the people in indirect labor, because, you know, we wouldn't have that if we didn't have the indirect labor, we wouldn't have fringe benefits for them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so we're saying. Okay, if you really look at this, we're saying basically we're taking a percentage of that and we're counting it uh, as something to be fully absorbed into our cost of goods sold, because that's really where all this is going. Mm-hmm. This over here, so so in our, our indirect labor, if you look back at here, uh, indirect labor was two hundred seventeen thousand dollars, and now we're saying of that amount, one hundred seventy three thousand is what we're going to uh, absorb as cost. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to say, okay, 43,000 we're not. And yep. then you say, well, how'd you come up with that number? Came up with that number based on your experience and rules. And also to be honest with you, you say to yourself- your own, You know your farm. You know your farm. Yeah. And then the thing you have to ask yourself is, is this something that my accountant can explain that I can defend as the farmer? When I say, mm-hmm. look, you see these people out here doing all this stuff closely mm-hmm. associated with marijuana, and yeah, they do clean the front yeah. of the the operations and all that. That's why I said, you know, about eighty percent is going to is mm-hmm. is fully absorbed in cost. The other the other twenty uh, percent, I'm I'm going to eat it. I'm not going to deduct it. Yep. So that's what's happening here. And then they make the same argument for the fringe, the fringe benefits. benefits. So yeah. when we look at the the bottom line here, it's a lot better. It's yeah. saying, okay, now you've got. Federal taxable income, it dropped significantly from 4.3 million down to 1.3 million, mm-hmm. right? You, do I need to go back and look at the show you the four? No. So now it's dropped significantly. Of course, your your uh, state and uh, your, your state and uh, it's still the same. As that's if, still yeah. the same. Yeah. Your federal taxes have dropped significantly from what 1.6 million is what I think it was down to still high down to 494 thousand yeah. dollars. And this is real, folks. We're not the, the, these these kinds of disparities are not. This is when somebody is actually applying full absorption, you know, applying for the some, uh, yeah, for, some for of some of the items. Right. Yeah. And so so they still make a whopping sixteen thousand four hundred and ninety seven dollars. That's mm-hmm. net income after taxes, after they yeah. pay all the taxes. Now, yeah. that said, they probably made more because some of what they did was probably buried in maybe indirect labor, also in uh, management fees. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, I'm, a, I'm the owner. I got to pay myself something. Right. And then. Uh, you know, the $16,000 is after uh, the taxes, right? Yep. So so now if we go to the final one, and this is when we say we really did the analysis, we we've done our zoom, homework, we've got in. a track record of what, of, what, of what this farm, oops, of what this is like, of what. Just X out. Just X out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, hold on, let me just blow this up. How's that? That's good. Okay. Same information above, except now we've learned a little more about the operation. We know about what these costs are. This is something we can defend. We've got historical data to support that, hey, we're also going to allocate property taxes and in, 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 in property insurance, right? Now, again, the IRS, 
or even another accountant, another CPA. Okay, CPAs listening to this, don't beat me up. This is a hypothetical. I don't want you to say hey, property taxes. I've never heard of that being allocated as a full absorption as it relates to cannabis. First of all, this is new turf. Secondly, if my client can justify what we're doing, and I think it's a duty that you have as a CPA, if you can if you can advise them and you know, uh, unless you've got hard evidence that, hey, the IRS always disallows uh, property mm-hmm. taxes or property uh, property insurance, I would say you should advocate for your client. But this is unique because the land is, you're farming on the land. So it's a little bit different. Like, uh, and, and the average farmer probably wouldn't even execute doing something like this because the That's average right. farmer is using cash accounting not cost accounting. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, here's let's keep this in mind too. You can you can you know what? Let me let me think about this. I was about to say, you know, even if they chill you can do accrual accounting uh in your books and you may choose to do cash accounting for tax purposes mm-hmm. or, you know, typically I want to say vice versa, but I'm not going to say. But I guess you could go either way. What I'm saying is you're still going to, uh, even if you are saying, hey, I prepare the returns based on cash accounting, you still need to, to go through this exercise in the cost allocation. You almost have to because otherwise, you know, you're, well, you're going to lose your shirt. You right? got yeah. that right. Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, they can do what they want to do. But you're going to go this way because if not, you're going to be in debt. A million, one point one million dollars. Right. Yeah. So, you'll be, you'll mean, basically you're out of business. You yeah. won't. You won't. You know, that's unsustainable. You can't do that beyond one year. Mm-hmm. So our bottom line here, when we have uh, the, when we allocate a few more, just actually those two more li- two two other line items, mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference because now we've got we do have taxable income of uh, the one point four million dollars. Yeah, we're paying taxes of three hundred seventy eight thousand dollars on that, but at least we have a, a better bottom line. You know, this is the federal taxes, federal ta- yeah. and FICA, and then of course here's our state. In the uh, city, which hasn't changed, it stays the same. Yeah. So we've got a uh, total taxes of four hundred and fourteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But you know that's a you know it, we're we're uh, we're a little better because we've got one hundred thirty-two thousand dollars, one hundred thirty-three rounded up thousand uh, dollars that's in our pockets, and that's not counting whatever we collected on management fees. You know because we paid ourselves yeah, as owners, whatever. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, but the but the real deal here is. And we can we can end with in the spreadsheet. We're done with that. I just want and I think we've done the job of letting people know, hey, here's what you're up against. This is after you get past the hurdles that we're about to talk about now. Fortunately, the good news is one of those hurdles has been dropped. Right. So we're going to go into I mean, just recently within the last few weeks, it's been dropped. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to skip down to that hurdle is what they call oh i got the should i blow this up i think it's too small yeah you can do it. well you can go back to probably presentation mode oh but yeah. go yeah, back don't into worry about all that you know. oh they can see it now Sli- you can okay. go to slideshow yeah you can okay go to slideshow. so uh if you see this when you fill out your application for a cannabis operation you need to decide on uh, what what operation you're going to have and uh, or what kind of uh, business you want to have. The businesses here, they're classified. I'm going to just talk about the, the uh, 
you can be a grower. A grower, of course, is the farmer. You can be a processor. You can be uh, this fancy word provisioning center. Well, first of all, uh, the processor is uh, that's the person that actually converts that that product into some finished product. It converts your weed into some edible like a cookie or a brownie or, you know, or joints or whatever. You know, Uh, there's a a better term for that than joint. I can't think of it. Anyway, the street bird, you know, it's joint. and then, and then the provisioning centers, well, those are your dispensaries. Those are the retail outlets yeah. where people go to buy the cannabis products. Mm-hmm. They also have, and, and then they also have this uh, safety compliance facility that's uh, dealing with security or dealing with, I think, uh, uh, that's something that's pretty new, but I think it's related. I know it's related to security, like security guards, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then a transporter. The transporter is the one that actually transports the products, say, from a a, uh, a growing operation or mm-hmm. a processing operation to the retail outlets. Yeah. And that involves security as well. Okay. The capitalization outlets uh, were these numbers here, are these capitalization requirements, rather. When you say capitalization, what does that mean? That's bonding where, yeah. capacity? Yeah, no, capitalization actually means, oh, what did you say? I'm sorry. Like a bonding capacity or something? It's it's actually not, not bonding. It's actually a little more... Uh, uh, it's it's uh, a a little more. Um, it's it's actually a, a, a more of a requirement. You know, it's more like you know, not so much a bond because a bond is like a third party that's kind of insuring. Mm. No, you have to be able to show, or at one time you did, you had to be able to show that you have like if you want to be a Class A grower, a Class A grower I think grows up to yeah. five hundred plants or something like that. Mm-hmm. Class B is fifteen hundred. Class C and I'm not quite sure on the numbers, like 2,000, you know, yep. something. So uh, if you have a, you'd have to show that you have, uh, you have access to that much access capital. to that much capital where 25% of that is immediately liquid, mm-hmm. right? So if you say, and so what people have done is they say, well, I've got a 401k that's worth $100,000 uh, 100, and I've got a uh, property that's worth $75,000, you know. Yep, that's not liquid, no liquidity. Well, right. actually, the 401k is. Yeah, I guess you, know, you could cash it. You could, you could pull out, you could pull out that 25% from your 401k, mm-hmm. right? And I and I know, actually, I had a, a one client that was, she, she didn't have to do that, but, I mean, that's what we that presented. Was what and that was, that they accepted that application, okay. right? Uh, and so that's really what capitalization is. So you can see that a class, uh, a, a grower class B, three hundred thousand uh, dollars. So it's it's uh, more capital. Uh, you have to show evidence that you've got the more plants. You want they need more. They, they need to. It's like a liquor license. They need to make sure that basically you have access to money. Right. Hence, these are more of those barriers that we always talk about that exclude other people because also connected to this money. Is it like buying a house where they start digging into where that $150,000 come from? Because if I get $150,000 from my friend that's in the NBA, he gave it to me today, mm-hmm. and then I got it in the bank, and then tomorrow I just give it back to him when I get my weed license. Mm-hmm. Can I do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you you cannot, I'm going to say, and the reason for that, part of uh, what we do, because you have to have a CPA that actually has to attest to yeah. The disposition of your capitalization. Exactly. And the hypothetical you just described, if I were looking at that, 
and I think any CPA would, they want to see the terms associated with the uh, yeah exactly the with money, that loan the gift right or whatever. with the gift right. I mean, you know, just how, how, how is that really something that you control right? Exactly. Now, if it's a promissory note though that says, yeah, this is a loan I'm, I'm providing you for one hundred fifty thousand dollars, but to be realistic, right. this is more exclusionary tactics of how black people can't get access to this stuff. Right, and 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 just to just to talk about the other side. If, if someone from the state of Michigan were here, mm-hmm. they would say, wait a minute, guys. We're doing this because we want to have some comfort yeah. that you can handle the front end costs and operations of getting this cannabis business going. OK, well, and then I would argue, what about when Joe wants to open up a lemonade stand? Well, Joe doesn't require these the capital outlays that. That are, that I know are that's necessary. what they would say, but right. yeah, it's like you could care. The state of Michigan could care less whether your business fails or or succeeds. Yeah, and, but and, but we're saying now I, I our, understand what that, what that is, but you know, but you you skipped the, one of yeah, the yeah. I'm uh, going to go back to that. I okay. just want to point because we're talking about because the state of Michigan, that state rep, if he was sitting here with us, he would say, okay, uh, if you don't have the money to buy one of the and you want to be a processor. Mm-hmm. And and in your case, you want to be a grower and a processor. Yeah, you got to have one of these machines here that can that can extract the leaves and the buds off of your growth, off of your uh, harvest. Yeah, these machines run about one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. Hey, I'm like Elon Musk. I'm building a, a, a spaceship to go to Mars. It doesn't make a difference. Let mm-hmm. me do it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. And obviously, that's how the state feels now, too, because they dropped the capitalization requirements. Okay, exactly. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what the deal is with that. I, but I always I said, arguably, I understood why they did it. But it just goes to show you they've dropped them now. Uh, and I'm not quite sure why they dropped them just within the last few weeks. I mean, this yeah. was a big hurdle at first. Yeah. I still think it's uh, they've got these other hurdles. But this was a big one. Now, yeah. this is still in place as it relates to medical marijuana. Okay. Uh, if you if if you want to open up a dispensary or you want to be a grower or a processor uh, for medical marijuana, mm-hmm. you still these capital capitalization requirements are in place. Okay. But for recreational use, you think you know I don't know why they dropped it, but they dropped it. Okay. Right? Uh, maybe they felt like hey we don't we don't need it. We've got we've got enough controls in place where we can just kind of control the number of uh, black businesses that step in. Land of opportunity. If you want to. You want to risk your shirt? That's a good go point. Go on and do it. Go on and do it. If you right. want to, if you want to, you know, oh, you know, off tilt everything that's going on, it really doesn't make a difference. Yep. You know. That's right. You that's know, right. You can remortgage your home and lose everything because you think you grow the best weed. That's that is the American <laughs> way. Good point. <laughs> good point, you know, son. It's people so, in the it's people in the horse and buggy business still mad at Henry Ford to them. <laughs> yeah, and they'll always be around. You got that right. <laughs> so now we have, this is the slide that I skipped over that, that we're going back to. And all this is, this is just showing when you, now, if you want to go into the recreational business, mm-hmm. those capitalization requirements are no longer be. a barrier. But now they have the license fee, which those license fees are, are more reasonable. Yeah, they're reasonable. And for whatever reason, here's your, into, here, this is the micro business uh, license fee. And actually, there are two types. This one here, you can have a micro business. You're limited to 150 plants. Mm -hmm. Like in our hypothetical, you're growing 221 plants. But if you pay uh, for this license, you can grow up to 300 plants, right? So, I mean, that's what that is. Mm -hmm. And these others, yeah, it's like 
you want to grow 2,000 plus plants, you come up with this. Now, this is not only an initial fee, you pay this every year. Okay, so that license is, is you, okay. Yeah, it's every year. And then if you want to be a, a retailer, which is where a lot of the, when I say a lot, only, I, I read in a recent Metro Times, only about 4% of the cannabis operators here in the state of Michigan are African American. Or actually of people, no, they didn't say, of uh, people of color or whatever, you know, you want to yeah, call it. So, so that, you know, that means I'm, I'm the, sure. The I'm bulk sure of them are retailers. I'm sure our Arab brethren are, have gotten all in this business. It, and it's interesting. You know, they, they showed some uh, faces. Yeah. But the two things I noticed, one, and this is expected, mm-hmm. one is the bulk, like the examples, they had 20, they said, hey, here are 20 operations to watch or 20 you yeah. should support. The bulk of those, I'm going to say over more than half, well over half, maybe 14 or so, retail. Yep. Retail. In other words, hey, I'm not in the farming business, and it's the retail business where they're buying the products, and, they'll, and then they'll buy something like uh, bakery goods or, 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 or products to make bakery goods, and they'll make the edibles. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it. There are a couple that are in the, uh, there were like two or three in the processing. Out of the, two, out of the three, let's say, Two of them had partnered with somebody else, and when I hear that, it's usually like, okay, partner, quote unquote. If you're the if if my spidey sense, or I should say spidey sense, tip, and and I might be surprised. It could very well be that the uh, the brother or sister that's partnering with the other party really is bringing what's needed to the table to make it work. My guess is because we don't really, this is definitely new to us. We're not really into the farming yet. You know, to me, the, the, the most well-known farmer I know is Malik Yakini when it comes to uh, uh, the Metropolitan. He's yeah. growing, yeah, he's growing products, definitely not Food. growing yeah, cannabis, yeah. right? So that's one thing. And then I also notice with my clients, they're not, you know, we're not farmers. And that's kind of the catch. That's one of those, like, wait a minute. You're kind of, you've kind of, you, you, you still kind of have this barrier in place to stop, to me, the potential, to me, the, the potential growers here are the farmers, people that are black, or people that are willing to really roll up their sleeves and say, I got the time, I got the energy to farm. But those people usually don't have the, uh, the wherewithal, including the resources to buy like machines, like what we're talking about, or to buy the land, and that's the other, that's the other obstacle, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to actually have an opportunity to roll up the sleeves. Yeah. Then you have the people that I'm talking with. They have the means, but they don't know anything. You know, but this is new turf. But they don't know the farming. They don't know the, and that's what, and or I'm going to call it cannabis business farming. Or the expendable time to really start farming. That's the other thing. That's really what they don't have. For all of you all that are yes. thinking that farming is easy, and that's anything. Farming ain't easy. Farming is not easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what, and if you think about it, what, I'm sitting across from people that are professionals, mm-hmm. that, uh, that they have, have access they, to possibly half a million dollars. They have access to the money. Mm-hmm. They actually appreciate all the, everything we talked about as far as the accounting. They know all of that. But but do they really have at the time? Are you really going to say, I'm going to now quit my job? That's giving me that's what it takes. half a million dollars. That's right. To, to learn. And like I say, and, and like with the greens, you may lose a crop. You lose two crops doing this. And you've just well, left your job where you're making half a million dollars. That's a that's gonna be a heck of a blow for you. 
Right. Because it seems like and, and you didn't even get into what are these what are the penalties as we as we wrap up? What are what are the types of penalties from the state? Because yeah, we see that the, the state allows for cash accounting, but what type of penalties are you getting when you lose the, the RF like the RFIDs and things like that? Yeah, and you know what? I I, I couldn't fi- first of all I don't know. Okay. I couldn't find any what I'll do is I think I'll call uh, the state because actually I was surprised. I called them about something else earlier today in regards to preparing for the presentation here, uh, and they and they were quick. They answered the phone. I mean, they were right on top of it. I'm going to ask them about those penalties, and I'll include that in your. Uh, you can you can share that I guess somehow in your uh, in your uh, edited version. I know they're steep though. I know it's because I mean they're not playing with that. And do, at all. and uh, have they have there been businesses that have been shut down by the state? There have, but I, I'll get. But I don't know. I'll give you the details on okay. those. Yeah. Now, one other thing, and this is important, and this is this is turning out to be the biggest obstacle of all, even for those professionals that have the uh, mm-hmm. the means to actually get into this business. Land, mm-hmm. the land is locked the hell up right now, and it's locked up primarily by outside companies, by external cannabis operations now because Michigan has opened up and maybe that's why they dropped the requirements. It's saying we have very few Michigan participants, particularly in the African-American community, in this in this process now. And so now we're about to open this up uh, uh, to uh, outsiders, you know, people from like California that have been in this space for a while. This, you know, my uh, neighborhood association invited the uh, Russell Woods Association to uh, listen in on a Zoom that's going to that's talking about jobs that are going to be available for some company called West Fort Point or something. I looked them up. They're out of California. They weren't even in the cannabis business. They were in the property management business, but they've got a they've got a a, a class a class C marijuana uh, operation that they're opening up on the west side of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, it's going to be jobs, jobs, jobs. You know that what that whole game, yeah. right, right. And it's like. Uh, uh, my thing is, and this is, and I guess we can wrap it up with this, but this is important. We need to turn this thing on its head. And the way that I say we, you know, this model, even when, they, when they've dropped the capitalization requirements, this is still set up for failure for the black community, in my opinion. Well, we could turn this on its head is if we adopt something like what Robert Mugabe did in Zimbabwe. After, after Zimbabwe, after they uh, regained their independence from Rhodesia, mm-hmm. and you had all those, those farmers that had all that farmland, the white farmers, uh, the Rhodesians had all this farmland. And they were saying, well, basically, you know, we still have to work the land because your folks don't know anything about working these large farmlands. What Robert Mugabe did, President Mugabe, the late President Mugabe did, and it was very controversial. If you Google what I'm about to say, they're gonna all you're gonna get is negative stuff because it's coming from the Western media. He said they started acquiring or taking back that land, and they split it up. They said, "Yeah, we don't know anything about this mass mass farming, but we're gonna split them up into lots, little lots, and we're going to let." Individual families and, and like a lot of the, his soldiers and their families started growing food on their on smaller lots, not huge acres of uh, uh, farmland, but they took the huge acres of farmland and split them up into little acres. And each little acre had, in effect, their own little uh, their their uh, 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 business, much like what we just did with your 221 plants. That little. 
That's why I, I thought that was a good example. We should be able to do that with all this land that's out here. And we should have a process in place where we split up and have and not have we get away from this rugged individualism stuff where somebody goes through, I got my piece of like, you know, land, I'm gonna grow. Yeah, whatever. No, let's split this up where we have where we we being the community designates large plots of land that we split up and we have some kind of lottery system where after people are vetted, we have a vetting process. And I'm talking about just set the government thing aside. What our they can own, do for us is leave us community. alone. Yeah, our yeah. own community crop, uh, I'll call it, you know, the term first is oh, sharecropping. No, community cropping. Basically exactly what D-Town Farms is. But it would be with marijuana. Exactly. Now, the difference, I think, D-Town Farms, and maybe this is more of the, it, it, this, is, this has a, a, a social aspect where see people say, yeah, this is sort of a socialist thing. And it's also still got a little capitalist Flavored, I hate to use the term capitalist, but I would still want to have the incentive where people can say, if I can grow my product, mm -hmm. I have a place I can I can pick and choose where I want to sell it, what retailers I sell it to. Mm -hmm. But I, what I envision would be uh, would be brothers that uh, ancestors that have been unemployed, that that are able bodied. We have a we have. By having all of the uh, land facilities in one location just gridded out, yep. we have a training facility. We buy one of those machines. A processors, yeah. We do the we do all the processing, yep. and they uh, but they they do the labor and they get yeah. Do they pay some fees for all these other uh, extra these services like the processing? Yeah, yeah. yeah they pay a fee for but but, it's but fair. we still do it's it. It's fair, fair because we've done the the numbers and they know uh, and we know what's fair. And and also yeah, that's one common place where we we help them with man, the manufacturing. Manufacturing, we train them. We help them appreciate what this accounting is. Hell, we do the accounting for them. You know, we could train some other CPAs, like the Gregory Terrells of the world. We said, look, man, because you know, it's like this would be bigger than, way bigger than you and me. We would say, no, you can. We want you to do the accounting for these folks. So now we've got the accounting covered. And then they're talking to the each other. The usual hurdles that even some of the white farmers are dealing with. Right. We've superseded right. that. Yes. Through. Yes. Right. Through the resources so, we got. So since they're continuing to change the laws, like they also put in that this uh, micro business class A, that's something that's new, too. Mm. Well, why not change the laws where we come up with uh, and, and, and my thing would be as opposed to waiting for them to change where they say, oh, we're going to we're going to open up the door a little bit to bring in a few more Negroes into this. Why don't we say, no, let's talk to our for our uh, quote unquote leaders or let's demand that. Uh, first with city council or whatever, let's identify large plots of land that we can grid off. You saw the numbers with just to, with, with just that little small amount next to your your the home here in our hypothetical. We can grid off that, and people can make they can they can actually make a living from this. We can actually make this thing work, even with the federal uh, law in place of 280e, still make a profit. That's deep. That's deep. Yeah, I, I knew you had some ideas on this. Uh, this was an informative. Detroit is different. I'm sure this will be shared more than most. So uh, please learn. Please learn. Please listen. Detroit is a place that's rich in so much land because this is one of the few places that uh, is a metropolis and you still have access to so, so many plots of land. That's right. Um, and this is now upon us as you're talking about people coming to Russell Wood, Russell Woods meetings and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's upon us. So uh, we, we should take heed to this. Um, thank you so much for the presentation, Dad. Oh, my pleasure, son. Yep. Thank yep. you for having me.
Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.